1: Good morning, everyone. So you've just got me today. It's Michelle. Jan couldn't couldn't um, couldn't be, in. she'll be very disappointed because she was really looking forward to meeting Dave. Uh, so first of all, I'll introduce Dave. Uh, Dave McCown. I hope that's how I say it. Um, works with leadership teams. And he really helps them step back um, from the chaos and build a process to set and achieve their strategic goals, which we love. And we know that particularly towards the back end of the year and the beginning of the year, that's exactly what leadership teams um, are doing in their organisations. And it's such an important part of the leadership role. Uh, Dave is also the founder of Outfield Leadership and the author of a newly released book, um, The Self-Evolved Leader. Uh, and really interested in talking about that. And um, and he's also a keynote speaker and a coach and a business growth advisor. So welcome, Dave. <laughs> hey,
2: Michelle, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be with you.
1: Yeah, really, really happy to talk to you today. And um, so... What we were talking a little bit before about the, um, the people that listen to our podcast, and we are really practical creatures, so we really like to, to be able to walk away with some tools and tips and techniques. Um, now, what, what I also said to you off camera is that I did download your effective strategic planning document from your website, The, the Six Secrets Mm -hmm. Um, of effective strategic planning just going through a really really well set out very practical and um, as I said before I've already forwarded it to a client to have a look at (laughs) so so why don't we start with well what I'm interested in is how did you get into this and why do you think it's so important
2: um, yeah, I think it's a great place to start. Um, I, I'm from Ireland originally, uh, as we uh, talked about in the beginning. And uh, I started my career back in the UK working for uh, Accenture, big you know global IT consulting company, uh, and spent a number of uh, years there. And I, I really enjoyed the work there. Um, but what I was feeling and sensing was that I, I had this pull towards... Um, helping leaders understand not only how can they get the best out of themselves and the best out of their team, but actually how can they make a difference in terms of the direction that their organization is going in. Um, And then fast forward 10-12 years uh, um, through a number of different career shifts i really started to focus on um, setting and implementing strategic plans and working with um, senior leadership of typically fast-growing organizations to help them put in place those strategic plans because as i'm sure you and your listeners know that uh, in any fast-moving organization it's really hard to find that time just to just to 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 look above where your current focus is to the medium and long term
1: oh absolutely so so we liken it to laying the tracks as you're driving the train and, mm. and that's how they you know oh we don't have time for that but you know what we say is that you know one hour of planning can give you 10 hours of benefit down the track it's just so important it's important but not urgent
2: right oh very much so and, and too many of our leaders get sucked into that uh, responding to the urgent mm. you know there's a there's a there's a there's a pull towards that and a, and a dopamine mm. hit that we get yeah. whenever we respond to whatever crisis is in front of us but mm. the real value you add is focusing on the important for sure
1: yeah yeah so tell us what is the process so a couple of things i'm interested in is yes we work with you work with um senior leadership teams in helping them put together the strategy but i also want to be able to draw the link between okay i might be a layer down in the organization i have a team that needs to implement the overall strategy how do i cascade that down and make that real for my team as well so that, that if we could explore those two areas that'd be great
2: Yeah, for sure. Happy to. Um, For me, the route actually of of making either of those two things, the very first thing to do is to um, establish the decision-making process by which you're going to make your strategic decisions and and, and actually review and implement them. Um, Too many teams get into a room, have discussions, have good debate, throw a whole bunch of stuff up on the wall. But when it actually comes to making the decision, there's this sort of like... I don't know. You're the. You're, are you the boss? Am I in the subject matter expert? Like, is it? Do we need a consensus? Should we vote? Should we have a a, a, a ballot? You know. And and so there's this tendency where we have this great discussion. Everyone goes, okay, we made some great decisions there. And we all out, walk outside of the room and, and kind of think, well, what did we decide? So just taking. I loved your your notion on two hours of planning. Just taking a little bit of time to actually just agree what the decision making process is, and that doesn't have to be overly complex. It can just be something like um, the most senior person decides or we'll go for a majority rules or right. it has to be consensus. So make sure you understand your, your decision-making process. Um, and, and then the, the second thing that you have to tie in there is an over-communication between the layers. So the folks that are setting the overarching strategy for where we're going have to overly communicate to the next layer of management down what's being decided, what the priorities are, and what the expectations are. Um, there's a tendency for senior leadership teams to, to walk outside of their room that they've made all of these decisions and just sort of um, uh, verbally vomit all of this <laughs> stuff on, on the team below them. And there's not a good degree of clarity on on, on what the expectations are. And similarly for, for that next level down, reporting back up, um, what, what's your progress? What's working well? What's not working well? What help and assistance do you need um, to implement that? And where that really all comes to a head is where most organizations fall down in their strategic planning is not the planning, it's the implementation. It's a very specific part of the implementation. It's shifting priorities. Um, most organizations shift priorities in an ad hoc um, way based on somebody having a notion or a thought over lunch or a discussion with somebody that they just met and just came in and said, we're going to do this now instead. And, and actually what you need to build in is a, is a process for shifting your priorities. Now that might sound overly slow and bureaucratic. It's actually not. If you can build a review process for your strategic plan that says, okay, these are our top three uh, strategic priorities for the year. If we get together once a quarter, we can review them. And if we need to change, adjust, add to that, then at least we know where we're gonna handle that conversation. And that, that helps a lot with the ditch to ditch leadership that often happens when we mm-hmm. don't have that robust framework
1: yeah oh that's great how do you then uh, and what are your tips on making the strategic plan live on a day-to-day basis so that it's not yeah it's done we've got the document and now we'll get on with the real work how 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 do you what are some ideas on how they do that
2: um it, it's a really important uh, aspect and it's it's the really what you're getting to is the root of alignment because what you want to ensure is that everybody in your organization on any given day takes somewhere between 80 and 100 non-trivial decisions or actions there's a lot of stuff that they're doing you know should I? make this phone call, should I go to this meeting, should I stay another hour, should I lose my temper at this person, you know, all these decisions that we make, you know, that you have alignment in your organization, if you can go to people in the organization, and they can tell you exactly how that action adds up to achieving those strategic uh, goals awesome. that you've set. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's there's, there's quite a big gulf between that, right? Strategies, high level, 50,000 foot uh, actions are, are runway level. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, you've got to ensure that you've got um, a good review process that helps in the mind of your people pull that strategy down to the action. So what are our goals for the year? What are our strategic initiatives to hit those goals? What are our tactics that we need to run this quarter? What are the metrics that are going to ensure that we're on track for that? And just constantly setting that context for your team. Like One of the, the greatest um, skill sets that a leader can develop is the ability to, to continually set context for their team. So we're meeting today to have this discussion on this topic because it links to this strategy. Um, um, I saw somebody on my team yesterday do a great job. Um, and it's so important because it links to this goal, just um, an ongoing over-communication in in helping your team see how that I
1: love that, yeah, because really one of the roles of of a manager is interpretation, I am going to interpret the strategy and share what I know so that you (laughs) can see that link, I I love that and totally believe in that, so here I am I'm a manager of a team and I'm two layers down, let's think about big organisations and I know I've got work to do but I also I know that there's a strategy in place. How do I bridge that gap for my team? Well, for me actually first and then for my team. Do I start with a strategy and then try and unpack it? Or you tell me what what would what would I do? Well, every
2: strategic initiative that you run. Uh, will have a number of shorter term tactics underneath it. So let's call the tactics just short term projects that you're running mm-hmm. out. Um, as a manager, if you're working on a on a on a project or something tactical and you don't understand what strategy it connects to, I, I would I would um, put the onus a little bit on you to go find that out. So have a discussion with your boss that says, Hey, love this project. It's great. I would love to see how that connects into the overall uh, overarching picture. Um, I think too often, particularly, I was talking to somebody the other day about it, particularly at some of those mid-level roles we have this sort of defeatist attitude, which is, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't really, I don't really have the ability to control much, so I'm just going to just, just kind of keep my head down, sort of do a good job, but not really push against the boundaries. And um, to which I say, look, if that's how you want to spend the rest, the rest of your working life, I mean, good luck to you. I hope you've got a lot of really fun after work activities because you're going to be miserable. Um, and so. Challenge people whenever they come to me and say, Dave, I don't know how to make a difference, um, to actually push against what they think they their self-imposed boundary is. And, and the ability to go to your boss and have an adult adult conversation that says, I don't know how what this links to, could you please share that with me, is one of those ways you can do that.
1: I love that. And then, you know, you can then, in, you know, share that with your team. I love that. Okay, terrific. So uh, another thing that I uh, wanted to talk about is your book. You've just written a book and it's come out and it's called The Self-Evolved Leader. Could you tell us a little bit about that and who would you see to be the audience of that book? Um, Self-Evolved
2: Leader is honestly written for a leader at any level of the organisation who is, is... has a desire to develop into the best leader that they can and to grow their team into the best um, uh, group of people that they can. And it's founded on the last 10 years of working with leadership teams, the realization that we're dragged too far into the urgent. Um, And it, it lays out a pretty clear roadmap of which we've talked in and around about how you as a leader, no matter where you are, can begin to shift your focus to the important um, the, the, one of the big core, um, uh, I guess, foundational pieces is I feel and I fear that too many of our leaders are leading through acts of heroism. So if somebody comes to, to you from your team with a problem, um, I'll tell you what to do or I'll we're still I'll pick up the phone and solve it. I'll jump in. I make myself the center of the story.
1: Mm-hmm. And when
2: we do that, uh, we end up becoming a bottleneck and becoming frustrated and our people end up becoming disempowered. And so the self-evolved leaders uh, is a fairly good roadmap for how to transition away from that um, to, to, to becoming more of, um, uh, more of a leader that's focused on the medium and long- term direction of the team and the development of your people.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like there are a lot of coaching skills involved in, in in doing that. And one of the benefits of that is that you are spreading the skill set across the organisation rather than, you know, all roads lead to me. And I think there is that feeling when you do have the, the label of manager-leader that you need to be the one that solves it, you need to have the answers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, when you can share that responsibility amongst your team, then you are, you know, sharing the the, the, the ability to get skills throughout the organisation. Awesome. Yeah, very much so.
2: And, you know, the, that, that notion of the belief that we're there to know the answers and to put the hard work in, it comes from two places. It's it's obvious where it comes from. One, that's basically how we're rewarded throughout our life. So in mm. school, you're rewarded for putting your hand up. Uh, you get your first job because you you know how to pitch in, probably your first couple of promotions. And so that's just how we're we're, we're kind of conditioned to believe. Um, secondly, it's just a huge ego boost. You know, if I'm saving the day for my team, pulling victory from the jaws of defeat, I'm useful, I'm needed, I'm won. Wanted. the problem is at some point it becomes a liability and you're touching on it there which is you can't scale the impact that you have if you're a mm-hmm. hero um because it you, all roads stop at you and and mm-hmm. so you'll 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 at some point reach a cap on the on the impact that you can have now for some people there they may well say that's how i, I want to be and how i want to turn up and that's great if that's their intention that's fi- fine but for a leader who wants to have a a, a bigger impact and spread that among amongst the organization you have to get out of that mindset of of acts of heroism
1: mm, i love that so let, let's say i'm listening to this and i get it i want to be a um a more strategic leader and i want to help my team either develop a strategic plan or implement the strategic plan of the organization tell me what could be some of the first steps that i would take
2: um First step is actually just elevate up uh, uh, um, one level, uh, which we haven't just talked on, which is no matter where you are in the organization, you should have a shared vision with your team. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the vision statement for the organization and that's hugely important. We need a good, compelling vision statement for the team, It's uh, for, the, for the organization. If, if you have a compelling vision that you've co-created with your team for where you're going that fits into achieving that overarching vision, it's going to take you a, a good part of the way there. Um, and, and, and where I see it becoming most effective these days is to co-create that with your team, not to come and say, here's my vision for where we're going, but it's to get everybody in a room and to, and to actually ask them to do a lot of the heavy lifting yes. and where that where that becomes useful and helpful is if they're part of creating that vision it gives a, it gives a much uh, a higher likelihood that they you have their buy into it because they're part of it and it's a much stronger North Star for decision making whenever you have to make a tough call that's in line with the vision because because it's much easier to share with them why you're making that decision
1: yeah so, yeah, 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 we, we, we call that a team purpose statement and you mm-hmm. are, you know, you are seeing to the choir here because we, uh, and it is one of our most downloaded tools actually, that there is something about, you know, gathering the team together and defining and it's not every year because the team doesn't necessarily change its purpose but yep. having a team purpose or a vision is so important and I love the the fact that you would actually start to you know look at the overall um, you know purpose or vision of the organization and then cascade down there from, from there and do it with your team I love that yeah yeah
2: yeah that's great love that I love the convergence there and, and then it, it it becomes a fairly mechanical process, funny enough. So continue on the theme of working with your team. If that's the vision, if that's the purpose, if that's what we want to achieve in three to five years, well, what do we need to do in the next 12 months? What are our three to five main goals this year as a team? Okay, awesome. You you discuss that. And if you've got a decision-making process, it's easy mm-hmm. for you to come up with those, those goals. Uh, and then you just begin to, to map it out and build it up from first principles of those are our goals. What are the, what are the strategic initiatives that we need to run throughout this year to get there? How do we break that down in a court quor- into a quarterly, um, a quarterly basis? And, and then you, you know, you go and you begin to execute where the, the biggest um, uh Lever that you have, and all of that, and probably one of the most underdeveloped one is once you've got that twelve-month plan, booking in your quarterly reviews yeah. right there and then. Because the thing is, if if you go out and start executing, you don't have those tent poles lined up ahead of you. You get halfway through the year and you go, "Oh yeah, we, we did have a strategic plan and it, it was pretty good." And I can't, I don't really know whether I'm sure we're doing some of it. And then you look at it and you go. And so just um, building in those tent pools for review, um, strategic plans will live and
1: die on that. Totally. We, we call that scheduling around your priorities. Like if mm. it's not in your schedule, if it's not in your diary, it just doesn't get done. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I really like that idea. It's almost like everybody has access to their diaries, like they're in the room doing the the workshop. Let's do it now. You know, yeah. the the second tuesday of every third month where you know this is when let's book it in now so when we walk walk out of the room it's already done yeah, yeah. I
2: like that and the, the sorry go
1: ahead no you go keep going i was I yeah, I, I was going to say,
2: the funny thing with that is whenever I say that to a room full of leaders, their eyes roll into the yeah. back of their head because they say, "Dave, you're telling me I have to have more meetings, to which my response is actually usually, you know what? The reason why you have so many meetings and too many meetings and you're sick of meetings is because you don't have the right meetings. And if you start yeah. here and you yeah. actually build that implementation rhythm, you'll start to see a whole bunch of stuff fall away because you've got the right bucket for it rather than this reactive, oh, we, we must get together to talk about this. And oh, this group of people have to get together. To talk about this, if you've got the right quarterly and monthly cadence, a lot of those other
1: meetings will fall off your calendar. Yeah, yeah totally. The, the other thing I'm curious about is um, that this issue of we've set the direct, we've set the strategic plan. We know what we need to do. How are we going to behaviorally hold each other to account? Work with each other. Um, Get the, you know, get implement the plan, but do it in a way that you know it is principle based. So we we have agreed a certain way that we're going to communicate with one another and behave. Like, what, where does that come into it in your mind, Dave?
2: Um, so first of all you and not to beleaguer a point you've got to get the rhythm for review in because if you don't all the behaviors you, you get you get thrust into the sure. worst part of yourself so yeah. get that booked in yeah. this the, the the next thing is there are five key leadership disciplines that I see as as the as the key to making all of this work the last one I'll start there is to build shared accountability in your team and what I mean by that is that your team has the ability to um, set their own common goals um, and to share them and to hold each other accountable you know that you will have you've succeeded um whenever your team is excited to get together at whatever cadence they have to share not just their successes of the last month but actually their challenges because they know yeah. that they've got a band of brothers and sisters to help them through those challenges now that's a that's a tough place to get to and yeah. a lot of people start there and try to just you know a lot of people think that's to do with morale and goal setting and, it, and it's not it's about it's about the culture that you create in your team so actually you have to go all the way back to, to a set of disciplines I'll go real quick through these um, because I could, I could get lost
1: at all.
2: <laughs> the first one is as a leader, you have got to reclaim your attention. You've got to do a much better job at your attention management. Mm-hmm. We used to call it time and productivity management. I think it's it's shifted in the last five years to just your attention. So mm-hmm. at, a, at a bare minimum, Um, where are all of the pings in your life coming from and can you narrow that down Um, because multitasking is not leadership Uh, you need to be able to focus on one thing at a time once you get good at your attention management then you have to get good at at, um, facilitating the work amongst your team facilitating team flow not making you the bottleneck so getting really good at making a decision on the priority of tasks and asks Mm -hmm. that are coming into your team and making really fast delegate or do decisions Mm -hmm. Um, so I encourage most leaders that I work with to get their to-do list down to about 20% of what is on their plate by delegating that out to their team. There are Too many leaders hold on to too much with um, subjective statements like, well, they wouldn't do a good enough job or I'm going to have to help them out anyway. That's an ego-driven statement. It's much more likely to do with you, the leader, than them. Yeah. So you, you reclaim your attention, you facilitate team flow. You've got to then um, support a high performance. So that means having um, coaching conversations, having the door open and, and, and a non-judgmental environment for people to come and ask you for advice guidance and support on mm-hmm. what they're doing mm-hmm. um uh, next one and i guess maybe the flip side of this is the ability to have difficult conversations yeah. um to give ongoing feedback that's both positive and developmental in a non-emotive way that gives your people the opportunity to opt into whatever it is that you're talking about if you can get get good at those four disciplines building shared accountability comes sort of at the back end because your team are empowered on an individual level they've got a boss that that knows that that they know that has their back they've got a judgment-free zone to come and ask for support advice support and guidance they're being pushed to do things outside their comfort zone because you're delegating more than you than you can and that's really just the capstone that says okay how do we bring all that together and as a team hold each other accountable so that you as the leader don't have to do that on -on one-on-one basis Mm. um but that they as a group can do that Uh, which then funny enough people ask me well if I get there, what do I do next? To which I say, well, <laughs> anything. You, you do, yeah. you, you've set the foundation for doing absolutely anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so do you do you like the idea of a team, you know, coming together? So, you know. Uh, uh, and I love those, um, those uh, leadership disciplines in terms of, uh, you know, really unpacking this is how we are going to behave and treat one another. Did you like that notion of like developing a team charter? Do you see that as part of the strategic planning process or does it sit aside to that? What, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's, it's very important, particularly if you're battling negative negativity in the culture. Um, I I think that if you have a good leader, um, a lot of those values and how we treat each other will come out naturally. But to supplement that, I think at sitting down and talking about those behaviours can can be really helpful and important. With a caveat, which is you've got to find a way to make them live, because I've you sat through enough. I've sat through enough of those sessions where people are just going through the motions, and you know somebody will, will 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 pull me over at a break and say, "This is all great, Dave, but we're we're never gonna." I mean, you know, I know somebody over there is never gonna, you know. Um, treat me with respect because he just is not that sort of person. And, you know, the worst thing to do is get to the end of the discussion and, and, and that be it. The The problem is to really make that work. You, you actually have to have a, a, a well-facilitated judgment-free zone to work out some interpersonal issues because usually the behaviors that are going up are a result of somebody not having that behavior. Mm. And that's a tough thing to do um, yeah. to, to, to have for any team to get together and, and address one another in an adult-to-adult way, why they believe that, that we can't have that behavior. If you can do that, we've got a good facilitator then you're going to get to agree on
1: totally. this yeah and that that's why sometimes we like to do a little bit of personality um uh, indicators first so that we know okay the extroverts are definitely going to talk out the problem people with a preference for introversion are go- going to go in so, but we want to be able to get their their buy-in and their opinion and mm. then you know we also have this thing we talk about you know how to have the difficult conversation with me mm. where people say well if you want to have a difficult conversation with me this is how you do it you'd set it up you take me away so so you know you you sort of unpack some of those areas that could lead to difficulty um but sometimes even before you go into the strategic planning phase because you know that there are issues to start with <laughs> so you want to yeah. you know get some of those sorted um mm. gee whiz i can talk all day with, with you but tell me about you've got a course coming up don't you
2: yeah, so I, I run um, uh, twice a quarter uh, an online virtual, now virtual used to be in-person um, public workshop where we go through a two-day process for you to build your strategic plan and then build the implementation rhythm um, to, to put it into place. Uh, so I run them uh, twice a quarter. I've got one coming up, I think, in December is the next, uh, next date. If you go to outfieldleadership.com, you can uh, read all about that there.
1: Okay, and I'm sure at outfieldleadership.com. Dave, is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with before we wrap up?
2: Um, I think one of the biggest mantras for me this year has been to um, control what you can control and not worry about the rest. I mean, I think that's hugely important. With one small caveat, which is um, I think we've always got to challenge what we can control because we have a tendency to put those self-imposed boundaries on us um, uh, and, and it's good to push up against those.
1: I love that. Control to control. It was lovely talking with you, Dave. And I know Jan will definitely want to get you back on and be here and she'll probably have another 20-odd questions to ask you. (laughs) So thank you so much for taking the time um, uh, to have a chat today.
2: Thank you for having me. Michelle, it was great to be with
1: you. Yeah.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the People Leaders Podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit us at PeopleLeadersPodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own leadership journey. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The People Leaders Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.